Hello and welcome to episode number 81 of Investing from the Beach. My name is Chris Hansen. I'm your host. I've got my co-host with me today, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey everyone, it's Chris Lamb. The purpose of the show or the intent of the show is to talk about time freedom and what it takes to reach that. And a little bit different than financial freedom. In fact, a heck of a lot different than financial freedom. Uh, Chris and I, background on the two of us, I've got, uh, I think we figured out <clears throat> that uh, I think I graduated high school about a week after Chris was born. So we differ by about 18 years. A whole uh, generation, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks nothing like me, so I didn't know his mom when I was 18 or 17 years old. You're, um, you're a young baby boomer. I'm a, I'm a young or a millennial. Yeah, well, or not young, millennial, old, sorry. Yeah. X. Yeah, you're an older, older millennial. Um, but we, Generation X. There you go. Whatever it is. I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers. Yeah, I'm at the tail end of the uh, Generation X. <clears throat> but we uh, we met at IBM. I was working in sales. I'd been there, I don't know, 16, 17 years. Chris showed up. He was an intern and was uh, probably in his third year of school, I think, in college. <clears throat> he went up to... And orange hair. <laughs> 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 so we worked at IBM, where it's upstanding professional. You're supposed to wear the blue suit, the white shirt, the red tie. Um, Chris showed up, and everybody started having red hair. So who knows what was going on with that. He walked in one day and was talking with, I think it was the secretary in our group, the administrative assistant, asked her a question about the stock market. She pointed a finger over at me said, go talk to him. We realized that we had a shared passion in it. About the time that he was uh, arriving, I was probably getting very, very close to looking for a reason to leave. <clears throat> and I left, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half later, two years later, something like that. Um, so I walked out when I was about 40. I was able to do that as a result of activity in the stock market. Uh, Chris stuck around about another 10 years. I think you probably only need to stick around for maybe five or six uh, but I know I was convincing you, you called me a couple times complaining, like, how did you stay here so long? My God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and I encouraged him to stick around so he could learn a little bit more on somebody else's dime. So he was uh, learning whatever business skills he was picking up while at IBM, but he, he was able to walk away when he was about 30, right? He was able to walk away a lot sooner, but finally yeah, walked away said, when he was about 30. You said you wanted me to really learn uh, or really understand why I didn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, and so we uh, we developed a great relationship early on. There's a lot of lot of love, a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, we do a lot of back and forth banter. We'll harass the crap out of each other, but in a fun way. The good thing is we both have um, thick skin and probably a thick head too, so it doesn't really bug us when when we tease each other about whatever we're going to tease each other about. When I left IBM, didn't really have a clear vision on what it was that I was going to do. Um, traded for a little bit, looked at a couple other things and realized, eh, this is kind of boring, but I was able to just kept going trading. After maybe a handful of years, somebody came up and said, hey, can you show me how to, you know, teach me how to do what you do? Um, so I started showing people and word slowly spread. And next thing I knew, I'm running a class on how to do that. If you want to know more about it, here's our our podcast advertisement. Turn the clock on. We've been talking for four seconds. Go read the website, investingfromthebeach.com. Click around on some of the tabs and you'll find some info on a stock class I teach if you're interested. If you're not, cool. If you are, cool. I'm not going to push. I hate when people push their dog food on me, so I'm not going to push my dog food or my cooking on you. If it's something you want to do, you'll go find it. Something you don't want to do, yeah, no problem. What we found in pursuing freedom was that most people focus on the mechanics, the cookbook, the how to do, uh, the what to do. 
And the reality is that's maybe max 5% of the equation. What it really takes to reach freedom is 90, the other 95%, which is how to think. And the vast majority of people overlook that. And as a result of it, the vast majority of people struggle in their quest to reach freedom, whether it be financial freedom, whether it be time freedom. Key difference between the two, if you've not heard this before, what we commonly will run into or hear people talk about is while they're working in their corporate job, and the way you want to think about a job also is you get to decide when you get up each morning, are you going to spend your time uh, pursuing your dream or are you going to spend your time pursuing and go working on someone else's dream? And there's nothing wrong if you want to go work for somebody else working on their dream. They're going to pay you hopefully a fair salary. To do that, if you're not getting paid a fair salary, go find another someone else's dream to go work on. But at some point, for a number of people, it kind of strikes them to say, I'd rather spend the time working on their business. In doing that, the requirement is you got to know how to think. Regardless of whatever the, the secret sauce is on the how to do the cookbook, if you don't have the how to think down, you're going to be working for somebody else for a while or on your own path, you're going to be struggling for a very, very long time. We, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, a guy who's been in the podcast world for a very, very long time, approached me one day over lunch and he said, you and Lamb have got a great message. You really should put out a podcast. And so 81 episodes later, here we are. We try and put them out generally about the first Monday of every month. Uh, This month, we're a little bit late. uh, And that was totally on me. I was interviewed on a podcast uh, about a week or two ago, and I was thinking it was going to be posted by the time we got ours recorded. And I was going to point you guys to it and go listen to words elsewhere. But it didn't get posted, so I don't know <laughs> if the guy is late or what's going on. So I can't steer you to that one. So I'll, we'll talk about it in the next episode, which will be in a few weeks in July. So if you wanted to hear me being queried by somebody else, you have that opportunity. And if you don't, that's cool too, either way. Uh, when, the, when the podcast is late being put out, you don't have to tell them it's you, on, on you. It's always on you. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's really saying is, all I do is I call him up and go, hey, man, you ready to do some recording? He's like, I've been waiting for you, finally. It's the, <laughs> it's the highlight of my month as I get to talk to you for you know a couple hours. We'll figure out what to say. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but we do try and put this out generally about the first Monday of the month, give or take. And if it is late, it's always my fault. So I'll take, I'll take the hit on that one. Um, if you've got comments for us, if you've got topics you'd like to hear us discuss... Uh, love hearing about them. You can reach us a couple of ways. If you prefer to pick up a phone call or pick up the phone and dial, you can reach us by dialing 747-242-3224. If you're not good at remembering numbers, just remember, jump on a 747 airplane, 24 hours, you can be at the beach. If you spell all, spell all of that out, that's our phone number, 747-24-BEACH. Uh, what else? You can reach us via email, investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. If you don't feel like doing that, you can go to the website and click on the Contact Us. You'll see uh, we got a picture of the two of us up there that happened to be on <clears throat> the day after Chris's wedding. We happened, he happened to get married a few years ago in Hawaii. Uh, we look like a wonderful gay couple sitting <laughs> on the beach. He's complaining because his head hurts, his eyes hurt, and, you know, wah, wah, wah. And I'm just smiling, enjoying it, and listening to him whine and complain. It was pretty fun. It's a good weekend. That was a good time. All right, so today's topic is inflation at 0%. And what does that really mean? And is that true in the answer before we go anywhere? No, it's not. 
we just want to, we're trying to do a level set because we get some questions that come in from people that are not understanding truly what inflation is. And said so that, well, maybe one way to try and explain it would be, what if the government were to come out and say that we have zero inflation, zero percent inflation? And they came out with something very recently. I, I want to say it was three, three and a half percent. I can't remember whatever the number was. It was big just in the last month or so due to the, I guess, uh, with COVID lifting, you know, we're all now, or at least in California, I think as of tomorrow, we can walk around without a mask, which really makes me kind of chuckle. It's like, oh, there's a big difference from today versus the next day. But it, Oh, yeah, the virus knows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Put a deadline, they know. It, it is what it is. So <clears throat> don't need to get political and all this stuff. It's, And I certainly wouldn't want to be the guy in charge. So, and, you know, I can, I can bash them all that I want. Um, but I would not want his job, but I'm not sure that I want him in his job either, but that goes without saying, or it's in a whole nother topic. But with that, if we've got zero inflation, what does that really mean? And the way you want to, the government numbers will come out and whatever that was that they said a couple weeks ago, it was three, three and a half, whatever the number, I'm not worried about that. I'm not going to let the facts get in. We're trying to understand, explain the concept. And so <clears throat> with, uh, with COVID lifting or the, the mask limitations lifting, what you want to think about, some of you are going to go out and get a haircut now. Some of you are going to go out and shave that mess off your face. Some of you are going to get the, the, the gray removed from your hair, which you haven't taken care of or haven't done anything with over the past 12 to 15 months. And what I want you to pay attention to on a real simple level is notice how much more you're going to spend for a haircut than you did a year ago. If you can remember that, you'll notice that your food bill is higher. Now, food doesn't get calculated in the government uh, numbers for figuring out inflation, but notice how much more you're paying, whether it's at the grocery store or even at a restaurant. Uh, you're seeing more at the fuel pump, at the gas pump, but that doesn't get factored in the inflation calculation either. But with all of that, you'll notice that your living expenses and rent for many people is going up. Cost of housing going up. And you see all those and go, wait, how can the government say that it's at 3%? Well, we're going to make the assumption it's even at zero. And Chris, what were you talking about on with the technology changing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, with the government, oh, typically when we measure inflation, people think, oh, if I have, if prices didn't rise, then we have zero inflation because we're basing it on a kind of a flat, you know, prices stay the same. But uh, if you really look at the improvements in technology and way that we've, you know, uh, been doing things, um, it allowed prices to come down over time, year by year. And if you look back, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, what was the price of, you know, you buying a CD? I remember back then a CD would cost like $20, right? Correct. And that's a lot of money back then. And so what's the price to, you know, listen to an album of music today? It's almost free. I can do it for free on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And a number of other right. sources. Hey, Chris, mm -hmm. think of it this way, Chris. How um, Right now, what is it costing either one of us to speak to each other? Zero. And just so you know, for those of you that are wondering if you think, hey, do, we, do these guys actually just sit across the table and talk to each other? And the answer is no. Chris is sitting up in his office about 40 miles north of me. 
way. Office is a, a very um, high-end way of saying an extra bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And I, too, am sitting in an extra bedroom at the house, and I'm 40 miles south. And yeah, we're doing we could this. have never done this 30 years ago. <clears throat> no, we're doing this over Skype, right? So yeah. it doesn't cost us a dime. And so we don't need a cell phone to do this, right? Our, our cost of communication is zero. Yeah. And so you would think, well, that should drive prices down. But everything's getting more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you're seeing it with the, uh, uh, in technology, you're seeing it with all of your electronics, right? Um, they've gone down in prices, even with inflation. Mm-hmm. And so inflation is actually offsetting the decrease in prices that we've seen. So we should see deflation. You know, if, if you're talking about deflation being prices going down. So prices should have gone down uh, if the money supply was never messed with. Right. So ideally, you know, we, we, we every year we should have more and more money in our pockets because things cost less and less. Right, because we have to, we end up spending a lot less, and they cost less because of technological advances. Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at your cell phone and all the apps that you use, um, that the smartphone, you know, replaced so many things. We used to have to buy those Thomas guides, right? Yep. Oh, (laughs) you do remember those? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. I remember having to, you know, flip through them and (laughs) look at where, you know. Yep. Because I started driving in '96, right? So. Okay. Um, you got, you know, calculators you no longer need. I remember being in calculus and having to buy, you know, these expensive, you know, uh, uh, powerful calculators that look like a book. Yep. Right. Um, you got, you know, you don't need a flashlight anymore. You don't need cameras. It's on your phone. It's on your phone. And and many more things that the, the phone has replaced. Right. How many of us really have a phone line at home anymore? Correct. Right. So, you know, technology, and that's just technology in some of the things we use, but, you know, uh, when we, we, we apply to all those other industries, like, you know, in food and in farming, um, food prices should have gone down because of farm technology. I noticed something the other day, I had the TV on for something, and there was an ad for, um, if you had crooked teeth, you could send in uh, Invisalign, I think it was called, or something like that, but it's basically looked like a plastic retainer. And you could basically do it online. So I'm sure they must send you something out. They take a mold of your teeth and then send it back in the mail. And next thing you know, you've got a set of plastic molds that fit over your teeth that you have on for two to three weeks. And then you replace it with the next one, the next one, the next one. That used to require you going to an orthodontist. Yeah. And you look at that and go, huh, look at that. Yeah. So all these things uh, should uh, drive prices down, but instead we're seeing prices go up. And so when we look at inflation, it's not just, you know, starting at the flat line zero or where prices remain unchanged, but it should be uh, from a negative. From a negative number. Yeah, from a negative number. So if we're at 0% inflation or 0% uh, prices increasing, that says that inflation is probably 3 or 4 or 5%. Correct. Right? Because the uh, reduction in cost of things is actually maybe two to three percent a year, mm-hmm. yeah, because of technology. If that didn't make sense, hit the rewind key, go back a few minutes, and listen to it again, and think about it. 
right? When, when, and no, you will never hear this explained this way from any government source. Most economists wouldn't explain it this way. But as an example of the how to think. Yeah, and earlier you said, uh, you know, how the government measures inflation uh, through the CPI, Consumer Price Index. And that's just a basket of goods and services that they get to cherry pick. Yes. Right. So it's not like it's not a true measure of how what we use in, in our daily lives. And so um, it's it's not representative. Uh, you know, like I think real estate is not included in there. Right. To my knowledge, I don't think it is. Yeah, and so that's why it's 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 not a, a realistic uh, representation of how prices are increasing or affecting you know the average person. But they use that to, you know, kind of keep you thinking that you know, hey, it's fine, right? Prices aren't going up, and we we can print more money. Yep. Right. And why do they do it? Is because when you inflate, you're actually stealing money from people. And why you want to steal money from people is because, number one, I can do it and without them complaining. Number two is it's going to keep you working. I want people to continue to keep working if I want to stay in power and control. Yep. Yeah. But if you become wealthy and you have time, you're going to start to question things. Right. And it's hard to control you. Yep. You know. So maybe um, we shouldn't post this podcast. Let's post another one that says, hey, everything's hunky dory. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, but, but the message is you got to stop. You got to open your eyes, stop and think, yeah, pay attention. Yeah. To what's going on? And, and that's that, and that's the reason why you know so many people are looking into financial education is because look, if you you know from your job and you made enough money where you find yourself having a lot of free time and money and you don't have to work until you're sixty or seventy, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Correct. Right. But why are you you know uh, uh, not where you're at because the system isn't going to work for you if you do not understand the money system. And if you just go out there and work for wages and, and you know, fiat currency, uh, you're going to find yourself working until you can't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's because we, we, we have this, uh, you know, money system that is based on, you know, uh, you know, fiat currencies that gets inflated and, and, you know, manipulated uh, over time, uh, devaluating, you know, your purchasing power, right? And so what are you going to do? How are you going to, um, combat that or how are you going to protect yourself in this system? Right? Now, again, if this, if what, if what he was just talking about doesn't make sense, hit the rewind key and go back, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes, whatever it was, and listen to it again. They do not teach this in school. They don't teach it in college. It's not taught in school. It used to be, <clears throat> a number of years ago, there was a government website where you could log on, I'll log in, go and view it, and it would show you the M1 money supply. And there's an M1 and an M3, if I remember right, from my econ courses. It shows how important it is because I can't remember what it is. Um, but you used to be able to go look and see what that number was. I think they published it on a monthly basis. And they don't do it anymore. Nope, they don't publish it anymore. And you got to think, why wouldn't they do that? Like, well, <laughs> mm -hmm. if it was good news, they'd publish it. Yeah. If it's alarming news, it suddenly disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not something that they wanted, they're proud of, they want you to know, right? No, um, nope, exactly. Yeah. 
And so, you know, the, the money system uh, with central banks, uh, and I used to, you know, I hear people say, oh, it's a Ponzi scheme, it's a pyramid, and I didn't know what they meant, right? Because I didn't even know that you could just print money when I was, you know, mm-hmm. even in, in my mid-20s, I, I didn't understand that. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if you think about a what is a pyramid or what is a Ponzi scheme is to... You know, you don't really have a product or service. You're just basically getting people to put, you know, give you money. So, Chris, let's go through For someone, if you're unfamiliar with this, and we have some young listeners that have heard the term but may not really understand what it is. So it's named after a guy named Charles Ponzi back in the early 1900s. And, again, I may have... Guaranteed some rates? Yeah, I may have the facts wrong. Go with the concept. What he did was he went up to someone that he knew and he said, hey, if you'll invest some money with me or I can invest your money and I will promise to pay you just for a number, let's say 10%. And I go to Chris Lamb and he goes, oh, great. Here's here's $1,000. say, awesome. And I'll pay you, let's say, 10% per year. So at the end of the year, I've got to be handing Chris a check for $100. But now I go to somebody else and go, hey, you know, if you'll invest with me, I'll be able to pay you 10% a year. And if I can make 10% a year on the money, no problem. But I need to actually, I, as Charles Ponzi, need to make more than that because I have to get paid for my time. So I need to be making 10 plus, and I get the plus, whatever that number is over that. Well, if there comes a time where I can't pay that 10%, one way that I can pay Mr. Lamb is to take a little bit of money from the second investor that came in. And I'll take some of that guy's thousand and I'll pay Chris the hundred. So now he's happy. And now I've got a third investor that I bring in and I'm not making 10% for his money either. And so I need to go find a fourth investor to be able to give me some money to pay the third investor back. And this just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. It keeps going and going. And it, it, until it can't. Yeah, I was going to say it works until. I can't find another investor to pay the guy in front of him in line. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in trouble. Yeah. And that's known as way oversimplified, but that's what's known as a Ponzi scheme. First happened or first got named, I guess, back a you know, hundred years ago, 120 years ago, whatever it was. A more recent version of that was by a guy named Bernie Madoff and Madoff, which made this one all the more surprising. He ended at one point, he was the president of the NASDAQ. So very highly placed um, or high-ranking official on Wall Street and was running, a, was running money for people. But what he was doing is he was falsifying the records and using you know, uh, the, the second investor's money to pay off the first investor <laughs> and the mm-hmm. third investor's money to pay off some of the second person's. And on and on and on. And it finally blew up. And I don't remember what, I don't know if that blew up around the financial crisis or not, what the timing was. I can't remember. Yeah, it blew up around the financial crisis because people were afraid and they, they, they asked for their money. Yep. And he didn't have it. And he didn't have it. Yeah. And so it's like he couldn't attract new money. Yep. Right. So that's, that's, you know, the pause you can, can go on forever as as long as you get more suckers. Yep. As long as you get more, the next guy coming in in line can pay the person in front of you. Yeah. And so, so you'll Madoff hear that. had it going for like over 30 years. Yes. And so you'll hear that referred to as a Ponzi scheme. You'll also hear it referred to as a, a pyramid. And the idea is mm-hmm. if you can get somebody underneath you, 
a little bit of their money goes to you as well. Similar, probably a little different meaning, but similar concept. So if you've heard the term Ponzi, didn't understand where it came from in the history, there's your history lesson. Now that kind of stuff, I'll use, I won't use the four-letter word, that kind of stuff is important to be taught in school as opposed to in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Um, I heard a great line the other day, just sidetrack, Chris, you'll love this. <clears throat> a, somebody who works as an employee, as an example, and you see it as a student in school, they're given information and then they're given a test to see if they passed. When you are an investor or an entrepreneur, you're given the test first, and then you get the information. <laughs> and so you're tested first. If you pass, cool. If not, go figure it out. But you're tested first. And what most people through the school system have been brought up with is, hey, give me the information and I'll show you that I've learned it. But we were talking about technological enhancements. Do you think, where did Elon learn to make an, electri an electric vehicle. He had to be tested first and then had to make improvements and go back and go back to the drawing board. Make improvements, go back to the drawing board. So he was tested first because nobody else had done it. And now with the technological improvement, you would see that prices should... Now back to where we're going, back to the inflation. You knew I'd come full circle on this. Mm -hmm. Um you can see then that with the technological improvements, the cost of goods should be dropping. But if we, again, if we make the assumption the government comes out and says inflation is at zero, you look and go, wait a minute, something's not right. And the reality is inflation is much higher. Just measure it and think of things that you spent money on a year ago and what they're going to cost you today. Mm -hmm. and, and you've got a newborn that has just shown up. Correct. Are you seeing a difference? Because your oldest is, what, five? Four, almost coming up on five. Mm -hmm. So you've got a five-year range in there, four and a half years, something like that. Can you see the price difference of things that you're buying now versus what you bought for her four or five years ago? I would have to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, you, you have zero clue on it? Um, well, I don't pay attention to it in detail. Okay. But, you know, she's the one that does the shopping, but uh, I do know that I'm spending more money. Yes. Right. I'm not spending less money. Yeah. You're seeing more going out than you were before. Definitely. And yeah. not not because of one extra mouth. You're seeing it yeah. at a greater at a greater rate. Correct. I mean, he's you know he's he's not trying, he's not consuming a lot, right? No. No. Yeah. It's just normal stuff, and yep. uh, yeah, you definitely see, you know, just just you know just for ourselves as a family, you you know, you're definitely spending more money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't pay attention down to the you know, the, the, the pennies or whatever, but right. I, I know this, that it's, you know, it's substantially. Yep. Yeah. And that's just in a few years. In the last few years, government have said, Hey, inflation's been, yeah, 2%, 3%, whatever it's been. Yeah. And so by the time you compound that for four years, maybe a 10% difference, you wouldn't notice that, but mm -hmm. it's, it's dramatically more than that. You would, if it were 10%, you wouldn't even flinch. Yeah, so you know, um, you look at this uh, this money supply that is continuing to increase. 
that is going to drive up once it you know flows into the economy, which it has because people are getting checks, right? Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, just one way that you're seeing the increased cost for businesses is they have to pay, uh, offer more money to attract people to work. Right? Yep. And so if I'm offering more money to get labor, my labor cost is going up, then, hey, I'm going to have to transfer that labor cost into the process of the products or the services. Yep. And so and then that's going to you know be passed on to the uh, customers. Right? So all this cost, all this um, inflation is actually a devaluation of your money that you're working for. And if you're working for that money, not knowing it and trying to, you know, put it into a savings account, uh, you're, you're losing out, not the 3% that they're telling you, but you're probably losing out, you know, uh, seven plus percent. I was going to say almost double digits. Correct. And, um, and that's probably conservative. That's conservative. Correct. Yep. That's not even using like hey, you know, the deflation number we're talking about of correct. two to three. Yep. Yeah. So, and if you, you know, you, you do the rule of 72, mm -hmm. it doesn't take that many years for, uh, it's make maybe 15 years or something, you know, less, less for, for you to lose half of your money. If you don't know what the rule of 72 is, it's, uh, it, it, it works for a range of interest rates. It doesn't work for everything, but the idea is you take, uh, whatever your interest rate is that you are receiving or paying divide that into 72 and whatever the result is, that's how long it takes for your money to double. So if you can make 8% per year, eight into 72 is nine. It'll take you nine years for it to double. Um, and say, what do you mean that doesn't work for all numbers? Well, if you make 72% a year, 72% into 72 is one. Keep like, it well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, it does, it works in a range probably from about six to 12 to kind of give you a, a pretty good rule of thumb as to how long it takes something to double. So the reverse of that is if you, you know, uh, you, you have money, you're losing 7% a year mm -hmm. and you divide that into 72. Yep. So, right? 10. so it's, you got about 10 years that your money is cut in half. Yep. Yeah. And so that's, that's what's going on with, um, our money. And if we don't understand that, then we're going to continue to struggle and work for something that gets devalued. Right. And so you got to learn, um, what inflation means, uh, to your wealth and you got to learn how to protect it. And you got to find, you know, uh, asset classes that you can, you know, park your dollars in and you got to own assets, yep. um, to, uh, at least keep up with the rate of inflation, but you want to be able to beat that so that you can grow wealthier. And so when we talk about assets, we're, we would be referring to, could be real estate, could be a stock market. Um, could argue it could be gold, could be crypto, mm -hmm. right? We're not saying go out and buy a boatload of gold. We're not saying go out and buy a boatload of crypto. We're not saying go roll it all into real estate. We're not saying go roll it all into the stock market. Yeah, we're not financial advisors. No, I guess disclaimer. Remember, we're a couple of unemployed boneheads. Haven't worked in 18 years. Chris hasn't worked in about 10. So clearly we have no clue what we're talking about. So go talk to a 
financial advisor that is educated, is licensed, and can tell you what to do, understands your tolerance for risk, what your situation is today, what you want it to be in the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever we're saying, if, we're, if it sounds like we're hinting towards something, we are not. This is strictly a little bit of education, hopefully a little bit of information, hopefully a little bit of entertainment. Um, so there's our disclaimer. Again, unemployed buffoons have no clue what we're talking about. But having said that, you want to understand that if there is inflation and the value of your money is declining, you're best off not having it necessarily. in. And you always need some cash. It's not saying you don't have any. But you don't want to be all things equal. You'd be better off potentially not sitting on a mountain of cash but figuring how to put it in an asset that, as Chris said, would rise at the rate of inflation plus. Your nickel, dude, this is where you talk. If we were in oh, the same yeah. route, I would point at you. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking whether I should share a uh, kind of a, actually a very important concept. Uh, but that's, this is what uh, you know, uh, people who understand this do, um, is you would never sell any of your assets that is growing faster than the cost for you to borrow money. And Say that again. if you look at Say that again. You would never sell any of your assets that is growing faster than the cost of you borrowing money. Okay. Does that make sense? So, so I can so, buy a house today with let's say 4% interest rate. Yeah, correct. So the house you know, your real estate is growing faster than 4%, right? Yep. So if, if, uh, you know, if you're comfortable owning real estate, then do not sell your real estate. Do never sell your properties and just keep on storing your money in property in properties. Now you say, okay, what if I need money to do something? Take a loan, take a loan against your properties. And even if you, whatever rates you're, you know, you, you 5%, 6%, whatever, right? You take a loan and you pay that interest rate. And uh, over the course of whatever, three, four, five years, right, you're making your payments towards that loan. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the value of your properties has gone up faster than the cost of your loans. And so now you can borrow against it again, pay off this loan, refinance. And you're going to be able to constantly live off of your assets without generating any income taxes. And that's how the wealthy people do it. Now, be very careful you understand what he was saying. He was not saying go take out a loan and go take a trip to Vegas. Go take a trip on, the, on a cruise. He's not saying that. Well, you know, if, if you needed to take, if you wanted to take a cruise, right, um, and you have these assets, uh, and you have choices where do I sell my asset and go take a trip? Or do I take a loan against these assets and take a trip? You take a loan against these assets and take a trip. If the asset is an asset that is uh, growing over time a lot faster than the cost of your loans. And you have the means to repay the yeah. loan. Yeah. Well, you, you, you do. Because let's say let's say I need a hundred thousand. Okay, give you a hypothetical, uh, you know, uh, numbers. Okay. Um, so let's say I own, um, you know, X Y Z properties, and I know it's been growing at an average of you know seven, eight percent, ten percent, or whatever, right? Annually, you know, 
if you take it within the last 10 years, a lot more than that, right? Yep. But let's say it just, you know, it, it grows about 8 9%, 10%, something like that. And so, you know, I go to the bank, right? And I, I got a million dollar property and I need $50,000. So I go to the bank and I say, oh, let me borrow 100000 against my, you know, million dollar property here. Chris, you need $50,000 or you want $50,000? Want or need doesn't matter. You just you, you want to you know you want to okay. use it. Right? All right. Do whatever you need to do. Okay. Right. Because if not, then you're gonna you know hey let me sell my you know piece of my property so I can get fifty thousand to use it. Right. Got it. So whatever that purpose is. Okay. So instead of selling my asset, my property, to give me fifty thousand so I can go do whatever I need to do, I say uh, I need fifty thousand, so I'm gonna go to the bank and borrow a hundred thousand. And you know, considering I have zero dollars in my pocket at this point, right? So I borrow a hundred thousand, and then I take the fifty thousand, do whatever I need, and I have an extra fifty thousand I use to make payments off of, right? And over the course of whatever uh, next few years or whatever, uh, my property will go up in value, right? And so um, now I can go and refinance against that. And when we refinance, I pay off the rest of my original loans, but now I have extra more money that I just pulled out because the value of my property has gone up more. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to do that when you're at just the borderline, like I barely can borrow enough to live off of. But so people who have, you know, tens or you know hundreds or in the billions, right? Um, they are, they're, they're doing that. They're never, you know, selling any of their assets so that they can uh, use that money you know, to, to, to live off of, they always borrow against those assets. They take out a loan to they live off of that and there's no income taxes generated. But if I were to sell an asset, I have capital gains and all this stuff I would pay. Right. Um, or if I do something for income, then I have to pay income taxes right, to generate income to live off of. Mm -hmm. But all I do is I just continue to live off of the assets that I've built. And the assets will continue to grow faster than what I borrow and use, right? Basically, you know, you're taking the difference. So, you know, if, if you're paying 6% and, and, and your assets is growing at, you know, 10%, then every year you're actually 4% wealthier. Got it. But if you sold your asset, you would never be 4% wealthier. You just sold it and now you're you actually going to lose. Cash, which is not going to go down. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yeah. But that's how it's done. And, um, I've, I've, you know, I've learned that, uh, <laughs> through listening to, you know, people who are, you know, in the, you know, they got billions of dollars and they said, you would never want to sell any of your assets. You always want to own it. And that's how the rich don't pay taxes, you know, or they, they pay very little taxes. They pay based very on little. What yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What, what, uh, what their money's worth. And so you just, you don't generate any, you know, any income or capital gains. Uh, you know, the income uh, that you, you generate is very little, right? And you just take out loans and live off of those things. And then after a few years, refinance the loan again. You keep on refinancing. It will never stop because your assets will continue to grow. Okay. You'll get wealthier and wealthier while, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you got your expenses covered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why this money system works for that because the interest rate is so low, you know, we're at like near zero, you know, correct. Um, and so, you know, with the Fed funds rate being at that low, um, companies like Apple and all these other companies are 
you know, buying up debt. They're just taking on debt and buying back their shares. Yep. And that's what it's been going on because you can borrow money for, for free and go acquire other corporations that are yielding, you know, whatever percentage. Yep, that are making more than your cost of capital. Correct, correct. So that's why you will see more mergers happen because of that. Right? You, you get, hey, I'm going to give you free money to go buy something that would yield you money. Yep. Oh, yeah, cool. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the money system that we're in. And, you know, why does the government, why, why is the government or why do central banks have to keep the rates so low is because that would help with the, you know, interest payments that they have to make, right, on this debt that we've been collecting, you know, over decades and decades of, you know, accumulating debt. Basically, we're spending way more money as a country than the money that we bring in. And so how do you, uh, how do you uh, uh, afford the payments of these notes or these debt? So you have to print more money, right? So same thing is, it just happens again and again. Yeah. And so that's that's what a Ponzi scheme is, is I'm not, you know, I'm, I can't bring in more money than what I'm paying out. So I got to find more people. Yep. Right. I have to find more people to put in money so that I can pay out because I can't make that return. Right. And so um, but, you know, in a in a traditional you know pyramid where you got to find people, um, the central banks don't have to find anybody. They just print. We got a printer, and so and we're the world's uh, we are the world's reserve currency. Yes, and then you and realize, so, oh, not only do we have the printer, we own the printer, or not have we are the printer. Yeah, yeah, we, we provide the ink <laughs> for other printers, right? Which says if you're if you're uh, outside the U.S., you're not happy because you got the most powerful nation in the world with the printer setting the rules yeah and so i mean you've uh you know you, we, we've done the numbers on uh five six uh trillion dollars being printed or not printed but really put into the system or uh uh pushed out right yeah. to uh, for this COVID <clears throat> effort yeah over the last six effort. months it's been what ballpark five trillion i think is the number and i think they're talking about another five plus trillion mm-hmm. we're chris and i yeah. were doing the math like wow there's too many zeros but we figured there's uh, ballpark 200,000 or 200 million adults in the U.S. Yeah, working adults. Working adults, somewhere in that range. And if it's a $5 trillion plan, right, that works out to be $25,000 per working Oops. adult. And, then they wanna, and they want to kick off another $5 trillion for infrastructure or whatever it is. That works out to be another $25,000 per working adult. Mm-hmm. So it's fifty thousand dollars. Now, granted, if some of it's going towards bridges and roads and that, okay. But do the math on that, or think through what that, what that really is, for each individual, in the country. Yeah, I mean, if you if you take, uh, let's say, you live in a third world country like Vietnam, and you know, uh, many people's life savings they don't have twenty five thousand dollars. Yep. You know, they 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 slave away you know, uh, for five, ten dollars a day. And then they hear this news of what, if you live in the U S this, you just get this money. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what am I working for? Yes. And, uh, I'm working for this fiat currency here. And then 
I got to buy things in U.S. dollars, right? Because all the commodities and everything is based on U.S. dollars, right? Um, and so you, you're like, what's this funny money? And so the world is starting to wake up. And at some point, you know, we talked about that, that we, we could lose the reserve currency of the world because you lose confidence from people. Yep. You know, the, all the other central banks, they know what's going on, but they're also inflating themselves, right? They're all kind of, you know, running this together, mm -hmm. right? this banking system. Yep. It's a monopoly of money. And so uh, you control, you know, people's lives. You control um, people's wealth by how you print money. And so um, the, the public, the general public, the working class, most don't understand that. Why? Because it's a kept secret. It's not taught yeah. in school. It's not taught in school for a reason. <clears throat> because if you know this stuff, man, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to last this very this long, as long as it has been. Correct. Um, and then you say, well, wait, how come, I mean, if a few people are, are figuring it out and understand it, how come it doesn't get publicized? And we talked before in earlier episodes, you've got censorship going on, right? And, and even if it gets publicized, uh, people publicize meaning like, you know, from individuals, but it's not going to get publicized from the mainstream media. Nope. Yeah, and so people tend to be, you know, they're herds, and they think, oh, if I listen to the mainstream media, they're not reporting that, so that's, that's not true. Correct. Yeah, right. And so, uh, you know, people people don't know, and, and then number one, they don't know what to do, so it's like, all right, whatever, people are generally lazy, right? Yep. So, all right, I'll just continue as it is. And everything's been fine yeah. so far. I don't need to rock the boat. I don't need to go yeah. get more educated. And Yeah, until <clears throat> you you get hammered. Yes. Right? And yep. because it hasn't happened to us, so we're like, okay, we don't do anything. But imagine you're in, you know, Argentina, Venezuela, or whatever, all those other countries that are experiencing Zimbabwe, right? Is experiencing these, you know, hyperinflation and yep. collapse of the currency. Correct. Um, I was sharing with you that, uh, you know, uh, one of the CEOs, right? Uh, he, you know, he, he, it woke him up when he said that uh, he had money over in Argentina. Uh, he was doing business out there, and uh, he left, you know, a million dollar in a U.S. bank account in Argentina. And then overnight, the government forced them, uh, forced all the dollars to be converted to pesos. Any accounts that had U.S. dollars in them to be converted to U to pesos. And he lost 90% of his money. It was basically $100,000 U.S. dollars worth of in pesos. The next day and that woke him up and that made him realize okay i gotta do something yep and you know it's it's much easier to uh mess with your fiat currency than let's say you own a piece of property mm -hmm. how are they going to devaluate <laughs> it's, it's much tougher and it's going to have to go through you know a, a long legal system uh drawn out you know legal battle Yep. Right. So it's much easier for them to go, okay, I'm just going to devalue your money if you had it in just fiat. And you so, say, can this really happen? Uh, yeah. It's happened oh, yeah. in countries. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's only happened in the last 10, 20 years, you know, between Argentina, Venezuela, uh, Thailand, the Thai bot. Like, uh, nope. Go, go back and look in history. Happened. Yeah. It's happened many, many, many times over the history of man. It's happened you know, in he, the U.S. before. 
you know, Robert understand. Kiyosaki, he, uh, he mentioned um, uh, when he was in Vietnam during the war. Mm-hmm. Right? He always he kind of talks about his uh, time that he served. Yes. And he said it was interesting to me as I heard this from him. And he said uh, that, you know, when he first learned about precious metal um, was when he was said he was in Vietnam. And he said a lady told him about it. He said because they were going through the war and all that and how everybody in Vietnam was not using the currency. And they just used, you know, because it was being devalued. And uh, they so they just based everything on prices of gold. Yeah, the price of gold or they use the would they could they use the US dollar? Uh, no, I don't think it market. was even based on the US dollar at the okay. time. Yeah, no access to it, but everybody right. just used gold. Interesting. Uh, and that's why, I mean, growing up, I didn't know why my mom would refer to prices of things in gold all the time. Oh, she really that's did. what she grew up in, yeah. Oh, interesting. So interesting. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean by, by like, and they use different units, you know? Yes. So I'm like, huh? Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, and that goes back. So here, you know, I'm in my 50s, thankfully still. Um, and I don't, I don't think of things in terms of price of gold. And I probably I don't understand it well, but I understand it much better than the average person in the U.S. Right? We are kept in the dark, and mm-hmm. you, you got to really admire the the system. It has done a phenomenal job of keeping the not even the average person, probably ninety percent of the people in the U.S. in the dark. Mm-hmm. And we're just fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. And, we're, and we're just fortunate that, you know, we are working for the reserve currency <laughs> of the world, right? Yes. If we weren't, it couldn't be going on. Yeah. Yeah. We, we would be uh, quickly educated. Yep, exactly. In a very painful fashion. What else did we have on our list? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you at, at some point, uh, you know, so you're saying how long can this last, right? And why is the central banks doing what they're doing is because when you're stuck in this, you know, pyramid or Ponzi scheme, you have to continue to pump more money in to keep it going. And so it's, they don't have a choice. They don't want to, you know, keep on printing, but they have to, they have to keep on printing and they have to keep the interest rates low um, to continue to keep it going. Otherwise the, the money system will collapse. Okay. And that was what went on in 2008, nine, Yep. We were going to go through a collapse of the system, but they didn't let it. And so what they did was continue to print more and more. And so they found, okay, that was the, that's the only way that we're going to get ourselves or yeah, keep ourselves, you know, going, right? And so um, to me, is you know, like this, this, the train has left, you know? Yes. Yep. Right? And, or the train is going and, uh, you know... It, it can't stop. So you, it, it has to go faster and faster until it crashes. And then, and you say, why would it crash? It's because the rest of the world cannot keep up with that pace. And the rest of the world will wake up if you keep on printing this dollars. And they're going to find, they're going to find a way to get out of it. And that's why people are so, you know, uh, looking at Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrency, because it's the first time that people can trust another money system, you know, other than the U.S., right? And and you're starting to have you know small country like El Salvador coming out and say, hey, we're going to use Bitcoin as a country, 
you know, as our currency and allowing people to store their wealth in that. Okay. And so that number will only likely to increase as far as, you know, those uh, countries are volatile in their money system. They're going to adopt more sound money principles. And um, I can only see that trend continuing, right? Because how do you how are you going to get yourself out of this mess with the U.S. keep on doing that? And, um, you know, at some point, uh, we're also going to have, um, you know, the reason why people, you know, that we're going to continue to send checks out to people is because when you keep on printing money, you're creating this wealth gap, right? The poor will get poorer, the rich will get richer. And so what do you have to do if you, if the poor keeps getting poorer and you don't send them checks, you're going to have a revolution. And, you know, somebody said they studied, I think it was Ray Dalio or something. He studied the history of, you know, war and all that and money. He said, you know, revolutions and all that break out when, you know, the money system collapse or when people, you know, uh, become so poor. Right. There's a, um, here's a to do. If you love the podcast, here's what you can do. Go to the, uh, investing from the beach website and on there, there's a book list, click on the book list and scan through it and click on any book you want. Doesn't matter. It'll take you to Amazon from there. Do a search on the title, how an economy grows and why it crashes. Um, it'll come right up. It's off. The author is Peter Schiff and, uh, pick up the book. I think it's like 10, it's like 11 bucks as a hardcover. Buy it from there. And just so you know, Chris and I, well, Chris won't get any of it. I make about six cents or <laughs> 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 so maybe four cents. Um, so this is your contribution to the podcast, <clears throat> but it's a phenomenal book. It's almost like a comic book. So it's a little bit odd. If you will, it, it's certainly not a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not the. It's not a boring read, um, and it was really interesting. I was just reading as Chris, you were talking. I was reading through the comments, and the very first comment that somebody said, he said, "You know, this book has got a very, very strong conservative bias." And he, the guy said, "As a liberal, it bugs me." However, the guy gets it right. And what he does in this book is he describes how exactly how an economy grows and why it crashes. And it's written, you know, there's there's some characters you'll recognize, you know, renames some of our political figures back from 2008. Mm-hmm. You know, a little play on words with their names. But it's a great explanation in a real simplified fashion as to economic theory. And you can just see where things are. You see how it go, how it plays out in the book, and you can see the U.S. following down, following, following down that same path. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with Peter Schiff, you do some research, research on him. He gets pulled on to CNBC every now and then, and they just lambast him. They run him over the coals, and he just sits there and smiles and takes it, and he hasn't been wrong. Um, and whether you like the guy, hate the guy, doesn't matter. The book is a great, great example and helps explain it and really. You know, big animal pictures. So it's well worth it for $11. It's it's a great thing. Yeah, they, I think he explains it well uh, and, and makes it fun mm-hmm. and easy to understand terms uh, yep. or concepts. Um, so, yeah, very interesting book, too. Yep. And it's done in, you know, it's done, you know, I still like looking at a Playboy when I was a kid because I couldn't read the articles. So, you know, I looked at the pictures. So this is along those lines. But unfortunately, everybody's dressed. <laughs> so, but it still kept my attention. Or fortunately. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, 
All right, what else? Now that we've figured out how to get inflation at 0% and we worked the word playboy into our episode. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So number one is to uh, study and, uh, you know, you know, if, if things that don't make sense, what we're talking about, we rewind it and listen to it, like Chris said, and uh, really try to understand uh, the system that we're in and what we talked about as far as, you know, uh, learning about assets that uh, can help you generate, um, you know, better returns uh, and also to preserve right, your wealth, uh, not just to protect it, but to grow over time. And, uh, you know, we're you're seeing prices of everything kind of rise and um, you have to ask yourself the way to think about it is, you know, where is the money flowing? And, you know, people buy things they, they want and they can buy. Right. So in the last 12 months or so, you know, we couldn't really spend money at the restaurants, right? We couldn't travel. Nobody lets us travel. Um, and, you know, no entertainment as far as, you know, other entertainments, right? So, yep. Yep. Going out and stuff. Home yeah, improvement. So, yeah, so tourism and all that stuff, kind of dead, right? Money's not flowing there. Yep. So a lot of it went into stocks, real estate, home improvement, home goods, mm -hmm. you know, uh, your, your cryptos. Yep, yep. <laughs> right? You name it. You name it. Anything else that... Uh, Trading cards, art. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's why you're seeing you know, price is continuing to rise because it's not going to the other area. It's got to allocate it somewhere. Yes. And then you have this extra money that's being pumped in. That's got to go somewhere. And so it just continues to add into these asset prices. Now, and you may hear that and you think, whoa, wait a minute, guys, you're, you're starting to scare me. It's like, it's not meant to scare you. It's just wake up. Here's what's going on. Um, and you say, well, wait, so why would I want to own stock or real estate think about it the and we'll, we'll put our stock bias on uh, our stock biased hats on <clears throat> you say well what if the currency were to collapse well let's say the currency collapses tomorrow I hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime I hope it doesn't happen in my kids lifetime but if it does happen does that mean that Walmart goes out of business does that mean that Coca-Cola is gone does that mean that General Electric, do, do planes fall out of the sky that were made by Boeing and being operated by United or American? The answer is no. Things continue. You just have a new form of currency that you use to pay for it. And just like the MicroStrategy CEO noticed there was a decline, noticed, experienced a very painful decline in the value of his dollar, he still had the, still had the cash and could use it to buy whatever he was buying. But if you actually own the business, rather than it now costing, you know, ten dollars for a hamburger when you go to uh, McDonald's, right? For you know, or In and Out, or wherever you're buying your burgers, get a couple of burgers for ten dollars. Now currency changes. Now we no longer call it a dollar; it's a dollar two point or whatever the new currency title will be. And now it'll cost whatever value of those it is. But McDonald's is still in business. And they're still buying beef from the beef producer. And they're still buying packaging from the packaging provider. And so the economy still runs. And so the beauty on that is that if you own the business, your value may decline a bit, but you're not wiped out. Yeah, it's, it just goes on sale. That's right. Mm -hmm. 
but but yeah, it's not it's not like okay, you know, it's out of business now. Yeah. And, you know, McDonald's is gone. They don't disappear. Yeah. They don't go into a sinkhole and never reappear again. You're still mm-hmm. going to shop at Walmart. You're still going to buy your sugar, you know, buy buy your sugar water from Coke that you buy at Walmart. <clears throat> now you may be spending a different medium of currency for that, or medium of exchange. But that's fine. But if you own the shares that of the companies that will still be around or that will be around, no big deal. Right? It's not something to think about. Dude, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? No, no, no. I think that's um, it's it's uh, getting the mindset around this uh, and thinking about how it would affect you and what you would do and planning for it. That's the reason why we want to you know, uh, talk about that because, you know, today you probably, if you pull up news, you're going to hear all this stuff about inflation. And if you don't really understand, right, these are the detailed things that we wanted to uh, share uh, for you to think through these things and then ways for you to uh, uh, be proactive. Now, should you be freaking out about this? Can't sleep for the next four days? No, not at all. Should you be obsessively planning for this? No. You think it through. You're not going to be able to answer every, um, Chris, you've thought it through. I've thought it through. Our plans are similar, maybe a little bit different, and that's fine. Um, but we don't know exactly how things are going to play out or if they're going to play out and when they're going to play out. But at least you've thought it through a little bit to say, okay, if this happens, I'm here. If that happens, I'm there. And then you course correct and, and you you move along accordingly. As opposed yeah, you to know, being you know frozen. my bullets have gone up five x since the since like ten years in ten years. That's it. <laughs> well, that's an example of right. It is much more expensive to get ammunition mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, um, but you have an idea as to how you'll react. If you live and you think, "Oh, I don't ever want to do that." If you live in the southeast, on a coastal region, you think of that with regard to hurricanes. If you live in the Northeast, you think of that with regard to snowstorms and blizzards. If you live in California on the West Coast, you think of that with regard to earthquakes. So you already do that type of planning now, and you don't sit and obsess about it. You just know, hey, if if an earthquake were to happen, you're in Southern California, you have an idea of what to do. Now, if it's much worse than you expected, your plans may get out the window, but at least you've thought through Hey, I may need some batteries, some water, some food. You know, keep it, keep it as if you can avoid forgetting to let the gas tank get low. You try and keep a full tank in the gas most of the uh, full tank in your car most of the time. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Right? But at least you've thought it through. And it'd be the same thing along these lines. Go pick up that book. Yeah, exactly. Now, well, go to the investingfromthebeach.com site and then, because <laughs> we need our four cents. That is the most important thing there. As always, um, we know that if you'll put into practice what we've spoken about on this episode and on prior episodes, as well as upcoming episodes, we know that you too can get to the point of reaching freedom. Freedom to us is signified being able to by being able to go visit the beach on a Tuesday. With COVID, yeah, everybody was at the beach on a Tuesday. Hopefully with everybody going to work, you guys will get off my beach. <laughs> now I can go back and enjoy a little more uh, private time while the rest of the people are working. But the reality is, if you can get out to those locales, when everybody else is working, it's amazing how much better the waves sound on a Tuesday. 
as compared to the waves that you hear on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with everybody else in the world out there listening to it. Tuesday waves are the way to go. If you don't believe me, give it a try at some point during the summer here, and you'll see that they sound much more incredible than anything you'll ever hear during the weekend. As I said earlier, if you've got ideas or comments for us on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear them. Beginning of the episode, you know how to reach us. And with that, we always appreciate listening. We'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care.